It's, uh, it's New Year's Eve and it's just good to be together and uh, we're kicking off a new series. Uh, Resolve is what it's called, just a couple weeks long. I think uh, it's a great fit for this time of year where we're thinking about our lives, thinking about goals, resolutions, these kinds of things. Uh, but before we jump in, I just want to say thank you for something. Uh, and that it has to do with our uh, December year-end giving. I know that a bunch of you gave uh, in the month of December uh, extra, like above and beyond what you normally give to your church. I just want to say thank you. We're incredibly grateful. Uh, your generosity is just huge uh, in the month of December for uh, the financial health of our church through the whole year. And uh, maybe you forgot about the year-end giving, or maybe you're, you're wanting to get in on that uh, before it's too late. And, and hey, you still got till the end of today because tomorrow is the new year. And so if you want to be part of this specific year-end giving, you can still give today. And uh, later next month, I'll give you an update, uh, just sharing a little bit, uh, you know, that uh, project with Multiplication Network that we talked about, just be able to give you an update on how we are able to bless that ministry uh, through your giving. So I'm excited about sharing that. But uh, right now, let's jump in to this new series. Uh, I want to start by asking you to think of an encounter, an encounter that you've had in your life that changed your life, an encounter of some kind that took your life in a, in a different, a new direction. And uh, sometimes it's as simple as a song. You know, some of you are not just a fan of a particular artist or a band, but you're like you would drive to another state just to see that uh, band or artist uh, in person. And it all started when somebody shared a song with you or you ran into a song on Spotify. Uh, I could tell you uh, of a couple bands that I first heard, I could tell you where I was and who I was with. There are encounters like this that have a tendency to change the direction of our lives. Or perhaps it was a person. It was somebody in your life who uh, saw something in you, who believed in you, like drew something out of you. Maybe it was a boss that you had, a mentor that you had. For me, it was a football coach. Because uh, my freshman year of high school playing football, our team, not good. All right, we were one and eight. We were, we were no good. But we got a new coach our sophomore year. And this coach walks into the locker room, like first day of two-a-days, and just walks up to this chalkboard. That's how old I am. And uh, he writes nine and oh. And we were like, yeah, right. <laughs> but he wrote nine and oh. And he believed in us and he challenged us. And we became a good football team. And that encounter changed the way that I uh, conducted myself as an athlete. So maybe for you, somebody in your life who saw something in you, drew something out of you. Uh, others of us can relate to this picture right here because you are a parent and uh, it was that, that encounter, that first moment where you held your infant baby and the emotions that just flooded you, things that you didn't even know that you could feel as you instantly fell in love with that child and just realizing my life is never going to be the same. And if you're wondering, you know, Katie and I, we have five kids, yet you do still feel the same thing with the fifth kid. I just want to be clear, you love them all. <laughs> Encounters that we've had that changed the direction of our lives. Uh, today, we're going to look at an encounter in the scriptures. And uh, this encounter comes from way back, Old Testament. So it's the, uh, the book of 1 Samuel. And it's an encounter between two guys. Uh, first guy's name is Elijah. 
Second guy's name is Elisha. And I know what you're thinking, really? Their names are that similar? Yes, <laughs> it's a little confusing. It kind of reminds me of this married couple I knew growing, uh, growing up. Uh, we went to the same church. Their, their names were Terry and Terry. It was like, come on. Can one of you go by your middle name or something? Because this is confusing. Elijah and Elisha, I promise you, I'll switch their names around at some point, and you're just going to have to follow along. But a little background. Uh, like I said, this takes place in the Old Testament. This is like 8th century BC, so think uh, 800 years before Jesus. This all happens in the land of Israel. Now, who are these guys? Uh, well, Elijah, he's a prophet, which means that uh, it's his job to call the people of Israel back to faithfully following their God, because they haven't been. Yeah, they've been uh, worshiping idols, the false gods of the surrounding nations. And one of the main reasons they've been doing this is because their king and their queen are actually leading them to do it. They're leading them astray. They're promoting these false gods. And uh, the king and queen, uh, Ahab and Jezebel, they're so serious about this that they're actually rounding up God's prophets and killing them. And so this guy, Elijah, He's always on the run for his life. So he has a really hard job as a prophet. So that's Elijah. What about Elisha? What's he about? Well, he's a farmer. Well, for now anyway, because all of that is about to change with this encounter. Now, the reason I want to explore this story today and, and dive into this short series, Resolve, is really because of the time of year that we're in. You know, this time of year, we just have this tendency to kind of slow down and, and think about our lives, to, to consider the past year, things that happened in our world, things that happened in our lives. Often we take time to think about uh, next year and, and think about how we want to grow and how we might want to change and, and goals that we, we might want to set, uh, asking ourselves essentially, you know, what kind of person do I want to be in this coming year? And so I think an important question that I would put to you is just, you know, what kind of person do you want to be in 2024? And how might you want to change? And in what areas do you feel like you need to grow? And maybe there are some things that come to mind and you're just going, yeah, I, uh, there's some stuff that needs to change in my life. And I think that uh, the example that we see here in this encounter, particularly from Elisha, is going to give you some great motivation, uh, some great tools for pursuing growth and change in your life. And maybe you're in a place where you're just going, you know, I haven't really thought about 2024 a whole lot. And, uh, you know, I haven't really considered how I might want to grow or change. Uh, you might even uh, not even be sure that you're a Christian, a believer. You know, you're visiting family, uh, from, you're from out of town, and they drag you to church. <laughs> or your parents make you come to church, and you're just not really sure what you think. Listen, wherever you're at and whatever you think, I believe this encounter between Elijah and Elisha is going to challenge us. It's going to motivate us. It's going to bring some questions to mind that, that I think will help us uh, as we take steps toward the people that we want to become and the people that God desires us to be. And so let's jump into this encounter. Uh, the story unfolds in three parts, and the first part is called The Cloak. So uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, if you want to follow along, here's how it starts. So Elijah went from there, and he found Elisha, son of Shaphat. 
So Elijah goes and he finds Elisha. Question, why is he looking for him? I mean, what's this about? Well, the reason is because God sent him to go find this guy, Elisha. The truth of the matter is, Elijah, he's not doing very well right now. Uh, he's struggling. He's, he's tired. He is worn out. He is discouraged. In fact, he tried to quit his job as prophet of God. He tried to resign, and God did not accept his resignation letter. And instead, God, God met with him, and he cared for him. He provided for him encouraged him, and then he sent him off to find this guy, Elisha, because in time, Elisha will become a great encouragement and support for Elijah. Now, uh, Elisha, uh, how we're introduced to him is interesting. Uh, Here we go. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. So when Elijah finds Elisha, He's plowing a field. Why? Because he's a farmer. And uh, it's with yoke of oxen. So uh, here's a picture, a yoke of oxen. Uh, Of course, a yoke is just a way that you pair up two oxen in a working team. What are oxen? They're just big old strong cows. That's the deal. And so this is how he's uh, plowing because, of course, it's the ancient world. There are no tractors. Now, there's some details here that I think are important for understanding the context of this guy's life. 12 yoke of oxen. That's 24 big old cows roaming this field. Does that seem a little chaotic to you? Like, how do you manage that many giant animals as you're plowing? And the answer is, Elisha has guys working for him. He's driving one pair, and he's got 11 other guys driving the other pairs. And I think this is kind of unusual for ancient Israel. Unusual in the sense of, here's a farmer who's got guys working for him. He's got a whole bunch of oxen. I think it's safe to say that Elisha is not only a farmer, but he's a very successful farmer. This is a big operation. I think, I think Elisha is a wealthy farmer. And I, I just think that's important to keep in mind as we walk through the rest of the story. Now, let's, uh, let's see what happens next. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Does this seem a little weird to you? I mean, it's the first time these guys have ever met, and Elijah just walks up to him and throws his cloak on him. It's like something out of a fantasy movie. It's like Gandalf shows up, throws his cloak on. You're a wizard, Harry. Now, I know many of you are just deeply disappointed in me right now. Look, I know that Gandalf is from Star Wars, okay? It's fine. It's cool. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But this is a weird interaction, right? He throws his cloak around. I mean, what does this mean? It's a symbolic gesture, okay? It means something. It meant something in that ancient culture. And here's what I believe it means. Elijah is, is inviting Elisha to follow him. He's inviting Elisha to become his apprentice prophet. He's essentially saying, leave this life of farming behind and follow after me and become my apprentice. And I think this is huge. I mean, as we talk about uh, this next year, as we think about the kind of people we want to be, as we think about goals and growing and starting or perhaps starting over, I think this is huge. Because what's happening here 
is God is using Elijah to call Elisha into something new and into something significant. It's the idea of calling. And I would just ask you, what do you think God is calling you to? As we stand on the edge of this new year, is is there something you sense God is calling you into? You you just maybe sense God's movement in your life, a, a stirring like he's leading you into something. I wonder what that might be for you. I think for some of us, it's a calling into community. Because the last season of your life has been very isolated. And you feel lonely, you feel disconnected, and it's not a healthy space for you. And, and, you know, maybe this isolation started with COVID and it just kind of, you haven't really reintegrated back into community. But I wonder if this year is a year where you just go, okay, I need to build relationships. I need to rebuild relationships. Maybe this is a year where you get into a small group here in our church community. Because you just sense God is calling you into relationships, into community. Or, or maybe it has to do with your health. You know, of course, this time of year, many of us are thinking, okay, I need to get back to eating healthy. I mean, not today, tomorrow, because it's, you know, anything goes today. Uh, you want to get back to eating healthy. You want to get back to exercising. These are like normal thoughts that we have right now. And you know what? I'm thinking about this sensing a, like a, a, a calling into deeper health, better health. But, but, but this might sound kind of weird, but it's kind of like, this is how I'm thinking about it. If I'm going to be able to preach effectively 10 years from now, there's, there's certain things I need to do now. There's certain disciplines and practices that I need to do to have now so that I'm not only physically healthy, but I, I'm emotionally healthy, that I'm spiritually healthy. I want to invest in those things now because I sense God calling me into this thing. Or, or another thought that I've had, and this, this might seem strange too, but um, if, if 15 years from now, okay, so I'm 44, you know, 15 years from now, if I'm going to be able to get down on the floor and, and wrestle my grandkids that I hope to have someday, if I'm going to be able to do that, there's certain Uh, things I need to pursue, certain disciplines I need to have, a health that I need to pursue now so that I'm healthy enough and strong enough then to be able to engage in that. And so I just, uh, this is a calling I sense. I wonder if you sense God calling you into physical health, emotional health, spiritual health, and maybe it has to do with rest. Because I know many of us just went really hard in 2023, worked really hard. It was go, 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 and you didn't do a lot of resting, and, and you're paying for it. You're paying for it physically and emotionally, and maybe you're just recognizing, okay, God gave us these rhythms of rest, Sabbath, and I need to step into that this year. But I just wonder, what, what's God calling you into? And maybe it's something very specific. You know, maybe some of you uh, as a married couple, you've been talking about adoption or foster care. Some of you uh, as families have been considering taking a, uh, a step toward greater generosity, giving money away to what God is doing in the world. Maybe there's something very specific, a, a ministry opportunity, 
a serving opportunity that you just sense God is stirring something. But what is it that God is calling you into? And, and maybe you're just going, yeah, I got nothing. I have no idea. I don't, I don't really sense anything specific. You know, that's, that's fine. But uh, let me give you one thought to consider. Because I see a parallel in this uh, encounter between Elijah and Elisha. I see a parallel between this and Jesus in the Gospels. And it has to do with this idea of following an apprenticeship. So let me, let me take you over to uh, the Gospels, the second Gospel, Mark chapter 1. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. Jesus calls these two brothers away from fishing and into following discipleship. Come follow me, become an apprentice to me, learn my way. Jesus, back in the Gospels, he was calling people to follow after him, and this is something that he still does today. I mean, to be a Christian, what that really means is to apprentice yourself to Jesus, to follow after Jesus. And so we ask this question, you know, what is God calling you to? And, And maybe there's something specific, and maybe there's not, but something that I think is true of all of us is that Jesus is calling us to follow after him. And so maybe for you this year is a year where you go, no, it's not just that I'm going to know about Jesus. It's not just that I'm going to have this knowledge of Jesus. It's not even just that I'm going to believe in Jesus. I'm going to follow after him. I'm going to pursue his way of living because this is a calling that's on all of us to follow Jesus. Now, as we talk about change, growing, moving forward, starting and starting over, something that we all know to be true is that it's one thing to say, okay, I'm going to do that. Here's here's my goal. I'm I'm setting this goal. I'm going to do that. It's one thing to to say that. It's a totally different thing to actually do it, (laughs) right? I mean, how many of us have, have bought a gym membership and then gone to the gym for about three weeks and then proceeded to pay for that gym membership without going to the gym for the next 11 months. Anybody? Just me. Okay, good to know. But we get get this, right? It's it's one thing to say, I'm going to do that. It's a totally different thing to say, "I, I, I am doing that. And so let's talk for a few moments about how to actually do it, how to actually implement change. Because what we see next in this encounter, this next scene, I think, uh, provides us with a powerful question, a powerful tool. So part two of the story, plows and cows. That's right, plows and cows. Okay. So Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, then I will come with you. I find this kind of funny. The fact that Elisha has to run after Elijah. I mean, the way I imagine this is apparently Elijah walks up to Elisha while he's plowing, throws his cloak over him, and then apparently just walks off. I mean, I'm not even sure he said anything. And Elisha's just standing there going like, what was that? 
Like, what is this? And then it hits him. Oh, he's calling me to follow him. And so he has to run to catch up with Elijah. I just think it's funny. But then uh, what Elijah says in response to him is even stranger. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Well, you threw your cloak on me. (laughs) I mean, this guy, Elijah, he doesn't come across as the warmest, friendliest guy (laughs) in the world. He seems a little strange, right? But I think essentially what he's saying here is, look, I'm not forcing you to do anything. This is your decision. I'm not forcing you. And so Elisha goes back, and what happens next I think is so important for us understanding how to actually implement change in our lives. So here we go. So Elisha left him, and he went back, and he took his yoke of oxen, and he slaughtered them, and he burned the plowing equipment. This is a little weird. (laughs) It's like, okay, uh, seems a little excessive, Elisha. (laughs) I mean, be a little more practical, dude. I mean, what if you decide that you don't like being a prophet? What if you decide you don't like hanging out with Elijah? Because let's be honest, so far he's been a little strange. What if you get tired of sleeping in caves? What what if you get tired of always being on the run from this king and queen who want you and Elijah dead? I mean, what if you decide being a prophet is is not a good fit for your skill set? And you decide, you know what? I want to go back to my comfortable life of being a wealthy farmer. And that's precisely the point. By killing the cows and burning the plows, Elisha is making it so that there's nothing to go back to. So that the only way is forward into what God is calling him to. And so he burns the plows so that there's nothing to go back to. He cuts his ties so that he can only move forward. And my friends, I think there's something so important for us here. Because there are times in your life where if you're really going to grow, if you're really going to take a next step in your faith, if you're actually going to change, if you're really going to start over, you've got to take drastic action and you need to burn a plow. And so let me ask you a challenging question. Is there a plow you need to burn? Is there something in your life that you just need to be done with? I mean, if you're really going to move forward, is there a plow that you need to burn? And I wonder if it's uh, something in your phone, an app in your phone, a dating app, social media app, a gambling app, whatever it is, just the way that you use it, it just doesn't honor God. It's not good for you. It's not good for the people around you. I just wonder, is it a plow you need to burn? Maybe it's not an app. Maybe it's a contact in your phone. There is a relationship that you have no business being in. And you need to be done. It's a plow that you need to burn. Or perhaps it's something like what the ancient Israelites were dealing with. Elijah calling them to to come back to faithfully worshiping God because they had been bowing down to idols. 
worthless things that they had elevated to like ultimate status. I wonder if what you need to burn, the plow you need to burn is, is actually an idol in your life. Something that's become so important, it's become like the ultimate thing in your life. And maybe it's what people think about you. Maybe it's your sense of status. Maybe it's the number of followers you have. Whatever it is, there's something that you've just elevated. It's become an idol. And I just wonder, is that the plow you need to burn? You see, Elisha understands something that's so important about change and growing and moving forward, and that is there are times in our lives, if we're really going to take a next step, there's, we got to burn a plow. We have to take drastic action. So just a challenging question as we stand on the edge of 2024. Is there a plow you need to burn? Now, some of you, there's a detail in this story that just really, really bothers you. And it's actually not that God would call somebody into something new. It's, it's not that God would ask us to, to be done with something unhealthy. It has to do with the cows. You're just going, that's so much steak to waste. My friends, fear not. The steak will not be wasted. Part three of the story is the barbecue. So Elisha left him and went back. And he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat. There we go. And he gave it to the people. And they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. So before Elisha sets out to follow after Elijah, he throws a party. I mean, he throws a massive barbecue. And, you know, I'm actually not entirely sure if we're talking about the two oxen that he was plowing with or all 24. Either way, this is a massive barbecue. And I just know that for some of you, this is your favorite part of the story because this is your life. This is what you love to do. You love to grill. You know your way around a smoker. And let me just say, God bless you. We love what you do. Ribs, brisket, I mean... I, I'm pretty sure, I'll have to go back and check the New Testament. I'm pretty sure that grilling is a spiritual gift. I'm almost certain of that. So what is this about? Elisha throwing this big party, huge barbecue. I mean, does he just love steak? He just likes to party. What's this about? Okay, well, there's, there's definitely one element here that this appears to be something that was called a thank offering. It's when you would make a sacrifice to God and then you would eat the meat from that animal with your friends and family as a way of expressing gratitude to God for his blessing in your life. And I think there's something going on here where, where uh, Elisha is essentially saying thank you to God for this new calling that he has in his life. So I think that's part of it. But there's something else that I think is really important to our conversation about change and growing and moving forward. And here's what I think it is. We already know that Elisha has decided that he's going to follow after Elijah and become an apprentice. He's already decided he has burned the plows. He's not going back. He's made this decision in his mind. But what we see here is that he is bringing his family, his village, and his clan into this decision. He is going public with it. Now they all know about this decision that he has made. What this means is that if there ever comes a day 
where Elisha goes, you know what, I'm sick of being a prophet, and he comes back and he starts farming again, there will be a whole bunch of people that just go, uh, dude, what are you doing here? Elisha, you don't belong here anymore. It's called accountability. Elisha has invited accountability. He is now accountable to all these people that he will move forward and he will not go back to his old life. It's accountability, and this is such a powerful principle. Because what happens is there are times where we do something drastic and we get unstuck and we move forward, but then we fall right back into it because we're not accountable to anybody. Because what we need is people in our lives who have permission to say, what are you doing here? You don't belong here anymore. It's called accountability. So uh, a very simple but powerful question for us today is this right here. Who needs to know? Who needs to know so that you can be accountable to the decisions that you're making? Who needs to know about the plow that you need to burn? Who needs to know about the temptation that you're facing? One of the things I so appreciate about my men's group, my small group, this group of guys I meet with on Wednesday mornings is that there is accountability in those relationships. There will be weeks where one of us will say, listen, guys, I just need you to know that I'm feeling, I'm feeling tempted in this area. And you know what? No sin has happened yet. It's just I'm, I'm feeling drawn to this. I'm feeling tempted in this area. And what's so powerful is I know if I say those words, the next week when I show up, they're going to go, hey, how's it going? It's called accountability. It's so important. So who needs to know about the temptation that you're facing? Who needs to know about your marriage and how you're struggling right now? Who needs to know? Who, whose voice do you need to bring into that? I don't know if you know this, but we have a podcast, a marriage podcast called Together. And uh, recently, Pastor Jeff and his wife, Chris, were guests. I, if you uh, didn't listen to this, really good. But one of the things that they shared uh, is that, you know, they've been married for 40 years, which is incredible. But over the span of that 40 years, four different times, they said, uh, they checked in for marriage counseling. They're just... Four different seasons where they, they said, we, somebody else needs to know what's going on here. We need to invite somebody else in so we can be accountable, so that we can move through this and get to the other side. So powerful. There just are times, if you're a married person, where you're going to need some outside help. And so who needs to know about your struggle? Who needs to know about the doubts that you're experiencing? Faith doubts. You know, like, okay, the Bible. Really? Like... Can we trust it? I mean, Jesus, how do we know that he actually lived? Our faith, there's all these other faiths. How do you know that ours is the correct one? Doubts about our faith. You know this is normal, right? To experience doubt. You know that all of us have times where we doubt, right? You know, I heard it said this way. Doubt is not toxic to faith. But unexpressed doubt can be toxic to faith. So who needs to know about these doubts that you're wrestling with? Who can keep you accountable and process them with you? All I'm saying is that if you want to move forward, 
if you want to grow, if you actually want to change, if you need to start over, accountability is a key component in the process. And so let me challenge you to do something. Don't start 2024 without initiating an accountability conversation. Do not start this next year, and I'm talking about tomorrow, without at least initiating an accountability conversation, without sending a text to a trusted friend, hey, can we get together and talk? You don't have to tell them what it's about, but just initiate the conversation. Send an email to the counseling office inquiring about an appointment. Just initiate a conversation for accountability. Or today, after the service, in the front of the auditorium, in all of our spaces, there will be ministry leaders, elders, people who will pray with you, listen to you, and could help point you to uh, relationships or resources that could be really helpful right now. But don't start this next year without initiating an accountability conversation. So let's wrap this up. We're talking about encounters that changed our lives. And we could all think of one. Maybe it's music, maybe it's sports, a leader in our life. Maybe you're thinking of your spouse, the day that you met your spouse. And we've explored this leader, or this uh, encounter with uh, Elisha and Elijah and uh, how this changed the direction of Elisha's life. And you know what? He went on to follow Elijah. And when Elijah was taken up to heaven, Elisha became a powerful prophet and an important leader among God's people. But here's a question. What if he would have said no to that invitation, to that calling? What if he would have said no? What if he was like, you know what? I got my 24 cows. I'm good. No, thanks. What would, he, what would he have missed out on? What would God's people have missed out on? And what about you? What if you say no? What if you say no to God's calling in your life right now? What if you say no to that plow that needs to be burned? And what if you say no to inviting accountability? What will you miss out on? What will your family miss out on? What will your church miss out on? My prayer for you today is that you would have the courage and the wisdom to step into what God is calling you into, no matter how scary it is and no matter how hard it is, because life is found in Jesus and his way. And so, Heavenly Father, as we close our time, uh, we just say thank you for your scriptures, which are so uh, interesting, sometimes funny, but so revealing. God, they just reveal our hearts. They reveal what life is all about, and they reveal you. So we're grateful that you gave us your word. And God, uh, you're moving in each one of our lives, calling us into your way. God, would you give us the courage to follow after you? to step into what you have for us. But God, is scary. And so would you surround us with people who will encourage us and support us and guide us toward you? God, we love you. We're so grateful for who you are. And we pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for being here. Enjoy your New Year's celebration. We'll see you next week.